I heard about a man recently in Minnesota who um, clearly needs to choose another profession. His name is Rafiq Abdul Mortland, and it seems that Mortland committed a string of robberies, but fortunately for him, he was eventually caught. And I say fortunately because during his crime spree, Mortland received the nickname the Rolaids Robber. And the reason he received that nickname was that while he was robbing their store, he repeatedly asked the clerks that he was robbing for some antacid tablets. And my guess is that Mortland needed this antacid because of the stress that came from committing all of these robberies. Maybe now he can relax as he is serving eight to ten years in prison. I also read another story recently about a man in Germany who was arrested for screaming. It, it seems that the residents of, a, of the town called Aachen in Germany called police complaining about a, a, a series of screams coming from the local forest. And when they investigated, they found this 25-year-old man who explained that walking through the forest at night and screaming as loudly as, his, as he could was his way of dealing with stress. But the man's screams frightened the neighbors and prompted them to call the police, of course, and, and so now he faces a fine of 75 euros. That stressed him out some more, said the police, but officers told him not to go into the forest again. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever felt absolutely overwhelmed at some point in your life? Have you ever felt like walking away from your de desk and just screaming about your work responsibilities, perhaps, or your financial responsibilities or your, your family responsibilities? It has been estimated that 90% of all doctor's visits can be attributed either directly or indirectly to stress, to the feeling of being overwhelmed. Here's what researchers have discovered. Stress not only keeps us awake at night, keeps us from getting the sleep that we need for our healthy bodies, but it also suppress suppresses the body's immune system which makes us more vulnerable to all sorts of illnesses. And so we get sick when we're stressed out, which may cause us a host of other problems related to missing work and the inability to fulfill our other responsibilities. And that just leads to more stress. So you see the cycle that we're in here. It's a downward cycle. From, and, and, and from there, there, there is rarely a happy ending. And so what do you do when you feel overwhelmed in your life? Well, I want to suggest a simple formula for you today taken from our scripture from the Gospel of John. Jesus is up on the mountaintop with his disciples. And he looks up and he sees this great crowd of people coming toward him. And he knows that, that they will need to eat soon. And so he says to Philip, where can we buy enough bread for all these people to eat? Now, here is a situation when any normal person would be overwhelmed. 
It's almost dinner time. And suddenly they discover that they have 5,000 uninvited guests. It's a lot of folks, isn't it? That's a lot of folks. And so Jesus asked Philip, where can we buy enough bread for all of these people? They obviously did not have the 7-Eleven on speed dial. Besides, it would take a whole supermarket to, to feed that many people. And Jesus tells us that, I mean, John tells us that Jesus asked how they were going to feed this multitude only to test Philip because Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And Philip had no idea. Jesus was testing him. How are we going to find, where are we going to find enough bread to feed all of these people? Philip had no idea how they were going to feed this mob of people. He says to Jesus, six months wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each one to have just a little bite. So things were looking pretty dismal here. There's no way that they could feed all of these people. At least that's how it appeared. And then Andrew spoke up and said, well, here's a boy over here and he has five small loaves of bread and, and two fish. But that's just a drop in the bucket to what we need to feed all these people. And then Jesus said something interesting. He said, have them sit down. Tell them to sit down. And Mark tells us that they sat down in groups of 50 and 100. That's what they did. They had the people to sit down. And then Jesus took the loaves of bread. He gave thanks to God. And he, and he passed it out to those who were seated on the ground there. As, listen to this, folks. This is great. As much as they wanted. That's what the scripture tells us. As much as they wanted. In other words, they were full. They were as full as we're going to be in just a little bit after this lunch that we're about to eat. And he did the same with the fish. And when they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing go to waste. And so they gathered it up and there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. That's the story. So how do you deal with an overwhelming situation? Philip was faced with a pretty overwhelming situation, trying to come up with enough food to feed 5,000 people. How do you deal when life deals you a hand or maybe several hands at the same time that just seem to be overwhelming? Well, let me suggest some simple steps from this story today. And here's the first step. Sit down. <laughs> Jesus had the people to sit down. And that's the first step that we need to have as we deal with overwhelming situations in our lives. And I think about Philip when Jesus came to him and said, Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? I can just see Philip frantically running around. What can we do? What can we do? I don't know where to get all this bread. I can't do that. But Jesus knew that panic never solved anything. Have the people sit down. And so they did. A lecturer on stress management raised a glass of water and asked his audience 
how heavy is this glass of water? Do you have any ideas? How heavy is this glass of water? Any ideas? It's not that heavy. Various answers. He got various answers from the, from the, uh, the crowd. And then he replied that it, it's not the weight that really matters. What matters is how long you try to hold it. If I hold it for a minute, that's not a problem. If I hold it for an hour, then I'm going to have an ache in my arm and my shoulder. But if I hold it for a day, you're probably going to have to call an ambulance. In each case, it's the same weight. But the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. You mind if I put this down? Then he goes on to say that's the way it is with stress. If we carry our burdens with us all the time, then sooner or later you won't be able to carry on. You have to put it down from time to time and rest before picking it up again. And then when we're refreshed, we can, we can pick it up again so that we can deal with it effectively. So before you go home tonight, he said, put the burden of your work down. Don't carry it home. You can pick it up again tomorrow if you want to. Whatever burdens you are carrying right now, let them down for a while. Put them down for a while and relax. Pick them up later after you've rested. Life is short. Enjoy it. And you know, that may be the great thing about coming to worship. You know, when we come here to worship, it's a time when we can all sit still and reflect and listen to God's voice. Jesus knew that it was important to to settle the crowd down. And so he said to his disciples, have them sit down. You see, the problem with with feeling overwhelmed is is that we we see all of our problems coming at us from every direction. Have you ever noticed that when when one thing kind of kind of gets you, you go in here, one problem, then all of a sudden there's another problem. And then before you turn around, there are a number of problems coming at you from different directions. And you and suddenly you're just overwhelmed, so overwhelmed that it keeps us. We're so overwhelmed with with the problems coming at us from every direction that it keeps us from solving the problem that's right in front of us. We're so overwhelmed with what we are facing that we don't even know how to deal with any one of our problems. We're kind of like a fly in that respect. You like that one? Do you know the best way to swat a fly? According to scientific journal Nature, the best way to swat a fly is to take a piece of tissue paper in each hand. That's very important, folks. Flies are nasty. (laughs) Take a piece of tissue paper in each hand and approach the fly on both the right and the left side with your hands equal distance from the fly. Slightly moving your hands to and fro, and then with both hands simultaneously bounce. That's the best way to swat a fly. 
And this advice is soundly grounded in what has been called fly neuroscience. And the reason for it is that a fly cannot cope with a situation of being approached from two different directions at the same time. A fly's central nervous system is geared to avoid an approaching threat in only one part of its visual field at a time. And by but two simultaneously approaching threats, by coming from both sides at the same time, at the same distance, that renders the fly immobile because it can't figure out which angle to fly off to. Their brains are kind of small. We know something, even though our brains are much bigger than a fly's, sometimes we can be like a fly. We're expending so much energy worrying about all the things that lie out ahead of us that we cannot effectively focus on the task that's right in front of us. And so it's no wonder that Jesus said on another occasion, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have the people sit down. That's where we begin. Sit down. Calm down. Focus on what is immediately before you. And here's the second thing that we need to do. Acknowledge that God has a plan. Greg, I guess this is where the prayer in the Bible study comes in. I, as Greg said that, I was kept thinking, well, gosh, I need to change my sermon on the fly here. <laughs> on the fly? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but this is where we're going to God in Bible study and prayer comes in. Because God does have a plan for our lives. John says that Jesus asked Philip how they were going to feed all of these people in order to test him. Because Jesus already knew what he was going to do. God had a plan. Now, do you really believe that God is not aware of your need? God's aware of your need. Do you believe that God has the ability to meet your needs? You believe that? Then relax. Relax. God is going to provide. There is power in trusting God. And the same God who multiplied those, those fish and, and loaves that day long ago can give you the resources that you need to meet all of your obligations. Now, I'm not saying that going through a hard time should be easy. It's, it's not because sometimes we have to go through some painful situations before we can discern God's hand at work in our lives. How many of you would would concur with me and testify along with me that a lot of times we can only see God at work in the rearview mirror? In hindsight, you ever experienced that? <clears throat> it's hard sometimes when we're in the midst of a problem to see God at work while we're stressed out and worried in a in in the midst of a problem. But let me tell you something, God's always there. And we can go to God in prayer. And we can seek God's will for our lives in, in the Bible. God is always available to us. And God's will, we can rest assured in this, God's will is always the very best for our lives. 
So sit down and relax and acknowledge that God has a plan. Here's the third thing. Make a beginning. Andrew came forward to say that there was a small boy there who had five barley loaves and two small fish. It wasn't much, but it was a start. Even Christ had to, had to start somewhere. So, and, and he started here with these loaves and fish. And so here's the question I have for you today. Where are your loaves and fish? In other words, what are the resources that you have today to make your situation better? Take an inventory. Get started right now with what you have. You know... There are so many people who suffer from the paralysis of analysis. You ever heard that? The paralysis of analysis. They, they worry so much about a problem that they never get around to confronting the problem. And sometimes they can be really religious about this. They, they say things like, well, I'm just going to pray about this. And when God gives me a sign, then I'll start doing something about it. Well, folks, let me tell you something. This message today, right here, right now, this is your sign. (laughs) Make a start. Do something. Are you worried about losing your job? A lot of people are losing their jobs in this economic environment of ours. What are you doing today to prepare yourself for the next one? Who knows, if you get started today researching the possibilities, you might find a better job than the one you have right now. Are you worried about your finances? Have you ever gotten around to making that budget that you need to make? As financial guru Dave Ramsey says, every dollar has a name on it. And if you make a budget, you're in control of your finances rather than being controlled by your finances. There are a lot of people today who are discovering that they can live better lives on less. But the point is to get started. Tackle whatever task it is that you need to tackle today. Whatever problem you have, make a start. And I know it's easier said than done, but great things come from small beginnings. I knew a guy, he used to be uh, in charge of the, um, uh, the House and Grounds Committee, the trustees at uh, my church in Atlanta, and uh, something would break. You know, it was always things break. It was an old building. Things were breaking down all the time. And, and he would come into the office and he'd commiserate about all the terrible things that were happening. And I'd say, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, it's like this. It's like eating an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You got to get started somewhere. An old fable tells of a young bear a bear cub that was puzzled as to how to walk. And so he he asked an old she-bear, shall I move my right paw first or my left paw? Or my two front paws together or my hind paws? Or should I move all four of them at the same time? How do I do it? And in reply, the old she-bear growled, leave off the thinking and just start walking. And sometimes that's what God says to us. Quit analyzing the problem to death and get moving. Sit down. 
Acknowledge that God has a plan. Make a start. And then finally gather up the leftovers for the next time. You know, chances are you're going to make it through whatever problem you are overwhelmed with right now. But the question is, what are you going to take away from that experience? Christ instructed the disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over. Let nothing go to waste. But why did he do that? I'm sure that at least one of them probably was grumbling. Wow, what do we have to mess with the leftovers for? He can just do the same miracle again tomorrow. But that's not the point. Leftovers are important. When you go through a difficult experience, you should learn something about how the world operates. And you should grow stronger in your ability to handle life's difficulties. Every experience in life should make us a better person. And what happens when we gather up the leftovers? We learn from our experiences. And one thing that we are sure to discover is that we were right to trust in God. And that's a great thing to, to learn to prepare ourselves for another time of testing. On April the 10th, 1963, the nuclear submarine Thresher went too deep into the ocean and was crushed by the pressure of the surrounding water. It imploded into such tiny little bits that almost nothing could later be identified. You see, a sub needs these thick steel bulkheads to withstand the pressure of the water as it dives into the depths. But there are a few subs, there are a few walls that can withstand the pressure of the deepest parts of the ocean. Even steel gives way under the pressure of all that water pushing in on it. And yet, think about this. Isn't it fascinating that in those same deep waters where, where the steel submarine had been crushed, in those very same waters, little fish swim around without a care. What's their secret? Why aren't they crushed like this submarine? Are they made of some new indestructible iron? No. They possess only the thinnest layer of skin, just like yours and mine. However, these little fish have an internal pressure that perfectly corresponds to the pressure from the outside. So you see, God gave them what they needed to swim in the deep places. And that's a good lesson for us to learn too, my friends, because God will also give us what we need when we swim in the deep places as well. So what do we do when we're overwhelmed? I hope we can learn from this beautiful story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Sit down. Acknowledge that God has a plan. He's got things worked out. We may not see it while we're going through it, but... Things have worked out. Make a beginning. Take that first bite of the elephant. And after you come through the experience, pick up the leftovers. Use that experience to prepare yourself for the next time you'll face a difficult situation. My friends, you are not alone. 
that same God who multiplied the fish and the loaves is with you today. And so remind yourselves of that. Remind yourself that you are in the presence of the Lord. And allow that knowledge to help you when what you face seems too big to handle. Amen.